Cybersecurity is often associated with Chicken Little or the boy who cried wolf. Cyber threat has become so persistent and cyber attacks so frequent that those of us who work here in the space of cybersecurity, we wear others out with our constant reminders to be cautious and careful. On this episode of WMD, I'm going to be talking with my student, Jaden Hull, to explore the impact of, in the immortal words of Professor Moody, constant vigilance in a world of social media. We'll be right back. Jaden, welcome to WMD. Um, so why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Because so, you're a graduating senior, I think, right? Yeah, I'll be graduating in the spring. Okay. Um, my name is Jaden Hall. I study cybersecurity at York College, and um, I'm a first semester senior, hoping to graduate next semester sometime in May. Okay. And I think you had an internship last summer, right? That's correct. Okay. A, uh, Tell internship. us about your internship. Internship last summer, uh, defense contractor called Sierra Nevada Corporation. I was a technical intern, uh, mostly working with policy. I'm kind of coordinating with the network administrator and security administrator to kind of ensure that those policies um, could be in place when I wrote them. Okay. Kind of make sure that we weren't, you know, lying on our policy documents. Okay. So. And so you were working down in the D.C. area? Uh, over in well, Hagerstown, Northern, Maryland. Oh, oh, in Hagerstown, Maryland. Okay. So, yep. so uh, near the fort, as we like to call it in the biz. <laughs> Okay. And so developing cybersecurity policy, you, you got a real eyeful of how policy is necessary, but insufficient, as I like to say in the classroom all the time, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, going through those documents, the hundreds of pages, it's, it, uh, it can hurt the head after a while. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, as all policy can. Um, so you got interested in the concept of what we call OPSEC. If we're, if again, if we're in the biz, we use the term OPSEC. For, for people who are not familiar with that term, why don't you explain what OPSEC means? First of all, it's a, it's a shortened version of? Operations security. Okay. And, and that comes out of the military, right? Because I, I grew up with that for 20 years. Um, so what do we mean when we talk about operational security? So operation security, um, to me, is safeguarding um unclassified information that when leaked, this information could give the adversary um, your intentions or plans that you that you have mm-hmm. on an operation. And um, operation security is the measures put in place to kind of mm-hmm. um, mitigate this. Yeah. So so when I hear the words OPSEC, I immediately imagine myself walking through the hallways at any one of the number of installations I've been stationed at where the posters say things like loose lips, sink ships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but for, so certainly it, 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 inclu- it, it inclu- the important thing is that you mentioned unclassified. It, 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 the thing that many times are highlighted when you're in, sitting through those briefings is oftentimes they're highlighting it about secure information, classified information. But the unclassified information is equally important. And that's where a lot of people tend to slip up because they think, oh, no big deal because it's unclassified. But unclassified information such as, oh, somebody posting their vacation photos on social media. Right. Right. And so what does that tell us? What can we learn when we see somebody's (laughs) pictures on social media? Empty house. Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, and so one of the things that I did for OPSEC 
when I was deployed for a year because my house was empty for a year. And I had my neighbor watching it, but I would take the pictures that my mom and dad sent me where where they were doing stuff with my daughter and I would post them on social media. So a lot of people didn't even know I was deployed. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so there's, that's an example of an OPSEC behavior for, for people who are unfamiliar with the term and have not heard that. Um, but why did you become interested in OPSEC for – because you're, you're not just interested in OPSEC as a military concept, right? Right. So what what are you interested in OPSEC? How did you become interested in its applications, its wider applications? Um, over the time I interned at Sierra Nevada Corporation, um, I got my first real-world taste of OPSEC um, measures in place mm-hmm. in a functioning uh, business environment. And um, – I saw a lot of social media use and other stuff, and I figured that if it happens there, it could happen mm-hmm. uh, anywhere else. So um, I got intrigued with OPSEC fatigue itself, as well as um, how social media, the use of social media, um, the relationship between that and OPSEC fatigue. So OPSEC fatigue, is, is that a word you came up with on your own? I have this sense that that's something you came up with on your own for the for the research. I think I came up with it on my own. Um, have you ever heard someone else use the term? I guess is my my question. You're the first person I've ever heard use that term, and I thought it was really I, an interesting way to explain what happens. I could have sworn I've heard it from somewhere else, but um, after doing research, it's it's nowhere. You googled it, and it's nowhere. <laughs> it's nowhere. <laughs> so so there you go. Your first invention and contribution to the to the industry of cybersecurity is to coin this idea of OPSEC fatigue. That's a big deal. I I love to make up words. We make up words all the time, <laughs> um, because as soon as you said it in in the classroom, once I read and it, once you read it in your I read it in your paper, I think because you didn't actually say OPSEC fatigue no, in the classroom. You said OPSEC no. in the classroom, and I was like. <laughs> Wow, I don't know how that's going to keep him interested for a whole semester. <laughs> but then when I read your paper and you used this term OPSEC fatigue, I immediately understood because I have experienced that. And for 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 listeners, what um, the way I would describe Jaden's concept, um, when I was deployed, they would give us uh, a briefing every two weeks because your brain cannot live in a sustained stressful state. You can't live your life in your amygdala. It is too exhausting and you you get worn out from it. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to quit. And you have to be paying attention. You have to be hypervigilant, especially when you're downrange and you're deployed. And so that's why they they give you these briefings every couple of weeks to to reset your attention so that you can be be constantly vigilant. <laughs> Um, and and so when you said that, I was like, wow, that that totally makes sense to me in in the paper. So I I just love that that you made that up on your own, and and it's it's kind of, you should be really proud of that. That's really cool. <laughs> Thank you. So so talk a little more about some of the the things you were observing that that you tied to that that made you recognize this. Well, I observed um, not just there, but you know my dad. Um, being a, does he work in the government? Not in the government. He works for a company, but, um, in his position, um, dealing with cyber and other employees, Mm -hmm. um, being in the field that long kind of does something to your perceived 
threats mm -hmm. um, and your hypervigilance. Yeah. And so I kind of came up with this hypothesis that social media use, what it's doing to our brains is going to have a, a big effect on companies and the military's OPSEC mm -hmm. and um, their maintained OPSEC. And so that's how I coined uh, OPSEC fatigue. Yeah. Well, so so you make a good point because social media platforms, if you think about the way they're they're engineered to for engagement, they're engineered for engagement. And so so to share and to reshare and to right. learn what everyone else is up to and to to constantly be exchanging information about where you are, when you are and what you're doing when you get there. And so that is in direct opposition to the concepts of OPSEC, right? Right. One, um, in my research, one of my sources I found was from these neuroscientists. Mm -hmm. um, and they basically found that social media um, through these five things replicates um, instinctual human social behavior. And mm -hmm. these five things, first one is actually posting your original mm -hmm. content. Mm -hmm. Second one, is people reacting to your content mm -hmm. so the likes and comments that you get third Gives you a dopamine hit exactly third mm -hmm. is seeing others post mm -hmm. fourth is you liking and commenting their posts and then the fifth and final is comparing yourself yeah, right the you social can, comparison exactly. piece and and those five things are what kind of these are the your, five things that have basically broken social cohesion, yes. but you know. <laughs> it, it, it affects your reward system in your brain. Uh -huh. Yes, so it that, does. That, yeah. Yeah. And so, so if you are in a job that's telling you you cannot participate in basically what's become a, a traditional social environment, right? This, yep. this is a social environment and, and your generation has more or less grown up with this because what are you 21 i'm 21 so. yeah and so not, not quite, so but. so facebook really took off somewhere around 2010 ish maybe 2009 but really really it, and so you pretty much since the minute you were allowed to have a phone social media was a thing and you know might not have been on facebook at age yeah. 11 but my, my parents kept me off of it so <laughs> i kept my daughter off it for a while but i put i let her get on it before she stopped trusting me yeah, right right okay. so i let her have it while she was still young enough to listen to what mom has to say mm -hmm. right you don't you don't teach your kids not to play in traffic once they're teenagers <laughs> you teach them while they're young and so so yeah so i let her do it when she was still willing to let me see what was out there and on there and um now now if she wants me to see something on social media she'll like have her thumb on the screen and she'll hold it out of my arm's length and show me stuff so I don't touch anything. God forbid I would inadvertently like something. Right. <laughs> but um but yeah, so so you you your generation and and you're the rising generation that's coming into the workplace and social media participation in social media for the vast majority of you, in my in my experience most of the cybersecurity students you you tend to be less engaged on social media than your peers. But generationally, it's safe to say that a wide margin of you y'all are on Instagram and Snap, and I would agree with that. And whatever yeah. else you, whatever the latest version is, yeah. my daughter showed me something the other day. Uh, Be real or something. Oh man, don't, <laughs> don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being, asking someone like me not to participate on social media for OPSEC is different than asking somebody from your generation not to participate in social media. Agreed, yeah. 
Yeah, and we've seen stories in the in the military where social media was used um, while people were deployed, and this was when it was early in its early stages back in 2010 when we didn't really realize exactly how what a gold mine of intelligence <laughs> social media was because it was still relatively new, and so deployed folks ha- were told try not to post on social media and. Um, one of the other things that that came to mind, and again, you guys all like to be wired for everything all the time and hooked to the internet <laughs> as much as possible. Um, smartphones and then the Apple Watch and the Fitbits, when those came out, um, military were told that they had to take them off downrange because somebody discovered that they were being mo- the 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 running patterns and the movement patterns when people had their watches that that it basically it was a blue force tracking dev- mm-hmm. device. And so the enemy had access to to positioning info on on individuals, and um, and so there was a notice that went around: stop using Fitbits and and Apple watches. And and again, even with my generation nowadays, that's hard to get people to take off their Apple watches and stuff. So so more contributions to the whole opsec fatigue thing. Um, you know what? We're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll come back. Okay, so we are here talking with my student, Jaden Hull, and we've been talking about this idea of OPSEC fatigue. So what else have you been learning? You learned these five things of social media and how it affects the brain and, and the, the fact that now we're talking about trying to get people to be, you're talking about having to rewire people's brains to get them to stop using social media yep. in order to do OPSEC. Yep. So what else have you learned that's interesting? Um, well, I can tell you... Um... I guess with OPSEC, the difficulty implementing controls to try and keep OPSEC maintained. Uh-huh. So as you implement these controls and kind of make it harder for users to do their job, they actually mm-hmm. tend to want to break the rules more. Uh-huh. So it's kind of this balancing act between um, giving some leeway while keeping you know your operation secure. I think you would have enjoyed the cyber and security class that we're teaching this 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 semester, um, because we've been talking a lot about um, intentional noncompliance with cybersecurity. Right. I mean, unintentional compliance, you can kind of try to raise awareness and you can train people, but intentional noncompliance, that's what you just hit on. Right. And so what are some of the the ideas that you have about this you must you've been learning about the challenges so what are some of the the possible solutions you see uh that's a that's a good question so it's something i probably couldn't answer uh no, well let, let's what would you tell your class your your uh, your colleagues here at the college your classmates here at the college i mean um i would say my colleagues and myself probably know what controls to put in place based on our education here. Right. Certainly but the ones say, in the cybersecurity management program. Exactly. But I would say that... Let's go a little wider into the, the larger college population. Well, the pushback from people from other disciplines mm-hmm. would be heavy if we would just say, no, you can't do this, you can't do that, mm-hmm. you can't do that. Right. So, I mean, for myself, I'd say the best thing you could do is talk to people from other mm-hmm. disciplines, yeah. see uh, what they're okay with what they're okay with, what they do, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that, and work with them. You uh-huh. know? Don't just be a, a control Nazi. You know? Right. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Nobody want nobody wants to be controlled all the time. That's no. the, the that drives people nuts. That's one of the challenges of being in cybersecurity to begin with. Exactly. Um, but I also one of the things that I remember picking up at I think I was at something run out of the the Naval War College or um, or or I, I don't remember. But um, there was somebody there who was we were talking about social media and the intelligence community. And on the one hand, social media is a gold mine for intel for intelligence. Absolutely, especially if you want to go do social engineering. On the other hand, the absence of a social media profile in today's world is equally suspicious, right? If I meet you and you have no social media footprint whatsoever, um, the chances that I'm going to trust you are going to be fairly low because I can't background check you. Yeah, that's a great point. And so this, I know, I, I mean, you see this in the movies all the time where they're like, oh, I went and checked their social media profile to see, <laughs> see if they're worth dating or whatever. <laughs> so, so, um, so this guy was talking about the fact that he cultivates a social media profile. He, um, I think he, he cultivated some sort of fisher, fisherman presence. And so he, he, so that was his version of OPSEC. What, and, and as, kind of consistent with what I did when I was deployed is I cultivated a social media presence that made it appear I was hanging out with my daughter and her grandparents. While maintaining a social media presence. Yeah. Oh, I never thought of it that way. And so so here's an interesting twist. Could you use social media to create an OPSEC behavior? And the answer is you can. Yeah. Um, and so there maybe, I don't know, maybe that would be a possible. And I, I like that because... Um, even though I am so against social media, especially when it comes to OPSEC, you can't take away social media from everyone. It's just right. not something you can do. Yeah. And social media does provide advantages. So. Right. And and certainly the world wouldn't necessarily be a darker place without it. But no. <laughs> certainly the more we learn about social media and the way it rewires our brains, it, that's probably the scariest piece of it is how it rewires brains. And, and it takes concerted effort to break an addiction from, yes. from dopamine hits. Yes, it does. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so so we are up against a challenge. And so so I thought that when this Intel guy was talking about how he and his wife cultivated and, and what he what he did for a living – um, what he'd brought to the event that I was at was a um, an artificial intelligence capability that combed the internet. It, it was an internet scraper, and it could connect your Amazon account to your. I mean, mm. it was terrifying. He could he could figure out your reading list and look at a picture, an aerial picture of your home, and wow. and all this stuff. And so that was why he was talking about. It. And, yeah. and the challenge was that he he was sure, certain he could put together a but yeah, a picture of everyone in the room and um and so he was able to get my basic information but he was surprised that he couldn't see couldn't see me. Um, the other weird experience I had in an opposite capacity with social media was um, a gentleman who told me he had looked at my social media profile on Facebook and I said I don't think you did and he said. Of course I did. I saw pictures of you with your two sons at the beach and I saw this and I saw that and I go, well, I don't have any sons and I don't have a husband. So it was not my social media profile you were looking at. Um, now there is somebody out there who has my same name and apparently he was looking at her account. <laughs> but I have my social media in such a way and the people that I know, students like you, um, colleagues in the in the industry, 
um, we'll know one another personally, and we still won't be able to get into one another's, like, connect to one another's Facebook because we don't have any common links. And so uh, other than we know each other well. (laughs) And so one of us would have to lower our our defenses in order for the other one to see us so that we could connect. And um, so I knew that this gentleman had not seen me, but I I do remember him arguing with me, telling me all about my kids in the beach. And I'm like... (laughs) No, that's not me. And he's like, yes, it's you. And I, no, it isn't. I have a daughter and I'm single. <laughs> but it was funny. You know, the um, the links that you said um, brings up a good point. Uh, people nowadays, I guess it's hard to conceptualize their online footprint that they have. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult. All, all these accounts, um, not not just Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, but, you know, Amazon and the mm-hmm. stuff you buy. And a multitude of other software. The books you I read even, and the music you listen to. And, I couldn't even tell you right. all of them. Spotify accounts exactly. and everything. Yeah. And, and an adversary, if they really wanted to, could comb through and link all of that together to, to create one big mm-hmm. picture. And that's the big thing that I'm worried about with OPSEC mm-hmm. and organizations. That's the thing that scares a lot of people in the OPSEC and organizations. Right. And when you think about social engineering, one of the ways we think about social engineering is the information that can be gleaned from social media to craft some sort of phishing attack. Um, but one of the other ways that social engineering is done through those through that kind of is I can look at your third or fourth links and and eventually you can social engineer yourself into a an, an introduction with people um, that in fact that's that's how um, I, that's one of the things that I talk about when I I, I look at how company when i look at corporate strategy and i talk i talk a lot to to students about um when you're f- creating corporate strategies and looking at who your partners are the the way that iran was attacked in the natan's network was through their social connections because they had business connections with different organizations and the exploit began in an organization that had a relationship with them. And so supply chain. Yep. yep. And so they they talked to somebody who was go- an organization that was then going to come into the organization and they jumped the air gap through social relationships, business relationships. But yeah, so social media is, is a, a, a veritable gold mine. <laughs> It really is. And and so OPSEC becomes important, not just for the military anymore. Now you're talking about OPSEC is important for the banking industry. It's important for the public utilities. It's important for you know, healthcare. It doesn't matter where you are because everybody is networked, right? Right. And even, you know, when I was a kid, I first got Instagram. My dad would always tell me, uh, you know, don't take any pictures out front of our house, you know, that, that has our address number mm-hmm. and stuff. So even at that young age, um, I didn't even know that I was doing it, but I, that's OPSEC, right. you know? Right. It's, license plates are another one that gets yep. in social media all the time is people's license plates. And yeah, it's remarkable. <laughs> so it turned out to be a very interesting topic, even though on day one, I was like, are you sure that's going to keep you engaged all semester? <laughs> but once I understood, yeah, you're talking about cog- the imp- impact of cognitive cognitive fatigue that comes from trying to be vigilant all the time. And then being asked not to participate in the social sphere. And there's there's a lot of conflict there that makes for a very interesting, interesting peri- uh, piece of research. So, yeah. So any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with takeaways that you want them to to remember if they remember nothing else from our conversation? Well, just be mindful what you post. <laughs> <laughs> be mindful what you post. There you go. That's Short it. and sweet. <laughs> 
All right. So we are definitely in the world of VUCA. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And certainly when you have the, the social media realm come into this, you realize exactly how complex things have gotten. So you better get ready. Jump out of your canoe, lace up your boots, and use your paddle as a walking stick. We'll see you next time on WMD. Thank you for listening to WMD, Weapons of Mass Disruption podcast. This podcast is produced by Dr. Tamara Schwartz and edited by me, Chris Perez. All rights reserved to Dr. Tamara Schwartz, and you may access this podcast free of charge on any of your preferred platforms or by visiting us at lamrai.com. That is L-L-A-M-R-A-I.com.